Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In our fourth year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. This will be episode 232 of Global Mailbag 2. So we're going to be doing another episode where we uh, talk about the emails that people send in from the various episodes. And as always, my disclaimer is that I try to match uh, what they're saying to the, to the episode that they're trying to refer to. Sometimes they mention it directly, and other times they don't. And remember, I'm sometimes having to paraphrase from folks whose English um, might not be uh, as perfect as uh, I'd like it to be, but hey, it could be a second or third language, and they still do a pretty good job, so I'm very happy about that. All right, folks, before we start, as you know, we got uh, Ukraine here in, in crisis, something I predicted, but only a, a few months ago. I'm not really surprised. It's not a real big geopolitical lesson, so you don't need to be a historian or a political genius to understand that if you allow a bully to get away with something, all they do is progressively get worse and worse and worse. And this is just another history lesson you think we've learned already, but we haven't. We let this guy Putin get away with everything for years. Now we're, we're on the doorstep literally of World War Three. So it's a lesson for all of us, including in our personal lives. Do not let people walk over you because once you let them walk over you on, on Monday, by Wednesday, they're, they're running over you with a car. Okay, so it's really how it works. If you don't stop these bad people in their tracks, they get worse. All right, so I got the first email here from what it appears to be uh, the MindSpeak episode of Creativity in the Age of Dangerous Information. Indeed, writers are being killed for their words, thoughts, and feelings, and governments do little about it. Or in a change or in the change of rounding up voices of dissent. So I think they're trying to say that, you know, either they don't do much about it or it, it almost helps them to round up uh, the dissenters by letting journalists be killed, often by criminals who usually have some sort of, you know, tie-in to a, to a government. There have even been threats against writers during the pandemic regarding mandatory Vaccines and testing, Western civilization has yet to process enough to call censorship a thing of the past. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not really past that. In fact, uh, we already have uh, a journalist already killed in, in Ukraine just trying to report about the refugee uh, situation. Uh, is it an overreaction from Russian troops didn't want to be in their sector, or is it just a deliberate targeting of journalists? It's hard to, to, to think... Uh, uh, that it couldn't be because they're already targeting uh, children, civilians, the elderly, hospitals, pregnant women. So I guess why not journalists when you when you have that kind of uh, amoral attitude to all of that. All right, uh, next one, and thank you very much for that. Next one is part of the problem, and this is the next email about that creativity age of dangerous information. Part of the problem is that too many writers sound like whatever is taking the prevailing wisdom of the day 
And that is not being creative. You're an echo then, not a voice. Writing needs people of strength and vision. If you're a parrot of the times, your writing is nearly worthless. And I um, definitely have echoed that a few times myself. It's I find um, very uh, distressing to uh, to read or, or, or talk uh, to writers that they literally don't sound any different than, than the, the prevailing political party or whatever the particular wisdom is. And, and I'm suggesting that as a creative person, as a writer, that you're automatically supposed to be against everything everybody else is saying. Otherwise, you're not relevant or you're not authentic. No, there's be sometimes some things are common sense and you should talk about them. But and, and <laughs> does it does it also mean that you need to just simply uh, parrot what everybody else is saying, like that like that emailer has said? It's not only dangerous, but again, you you risk stopping becoming a writer and just becoming a propagandist for whatever is is being sold out there. All right, so I got a, um, I got a couple of uh, emails about the interview we did with Jennifer Brewer. A wonderful email, uh, excuse me, a wonderful interview, by the way, is done very well with with the people who uh, responded to it and listened to it. It's one of the top interviews we had. So thank you very much, uh, Jennifer Brewer. I loved it. Refreshing and positive. It's important to interview writers and not Hollywood people. Yes, I agree, and that's what we try to do here. We try not stay away from all the fluff and and try to to talk to and and listen to people who um who are trying to create something important and and and, and being relevant uh, with the times. All right, um, I appreciate the comments about family support. It is a serious requirement, and not all writers can be so lucky. Yeah, she was uh, uh very supportive by her family, and uh, that is uh, more rare than 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 normal. I wish that was more common, but it's not, unfortunately. All right, agents as stepping stones. That's the next episode over here. Very glad you took the time to help with ancient information. The process to get one can be longer than writing the book. Yeah, that is the truth. <laughs> I'm in my uh, third month right now trying to get one, so it's definitely a process who knows how long it's going to take. It could be anything from months to years. I mean, it's just the way it is. But I'm happy to move on ahead with it and, and continue. I'm not going to be discouraged because uh, there's no point in writing the book if you're just going to give up on the, the rest that's necessary. This is what I needed to jumpstart my emotions into my next stage of writing. Much obliged. Thank you very much, folks, for that. That is really important. I wanted to share the things I had learned about that process. They're not easy things to share because it's not always a, a full of rainbows and unicorns, okay? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of uh, bats and fangs, I tell you that. But it is an important part of the process, and I can't say it enough. Um, as much as it might be important to you to write that book, and God knows it is. That's We're writers, that's what we should be doing. It's the waiting rather than the wait than the writing that becomes the the, the, the harder thing, the, the hardship, the uh, the tester of our will and, and our doubt or our courage, the waiting. Not even the rejection. Sometimes it's just about waiting. And and that's the longest thing you have to deal with with, with with writing a book is if you're trying to get an agent the the waiting is is rough. But Stay encouraged. Um, I got a number of people already that I know that uh, have uh, attracted uh, publishers and, and etc. to get their books out. Um, 
and I'm, I'm excited to hear about them all and and we'll be seeing more about it on our aerial chart the journal a couple of them already so it's very encouraging stay active and stay faithful I'm not saying you shouldn't have doubt I'm not saying you shouldn't worry now and then that's human stay human but don't let it take you over okay stay on top of it all right the episode we had on journals of art Sometimes I feel frustrated that writers do not appreciate the journals out there. Some in the arts are a direct result of writers acting foolish. We should be more helpful and grateful. Well, I can't agree more. If I was of the timid type, if I was of somebody that was just so sensitive about everything all the time, I probably would have gave up the journal years ago because it could be a lot of work. And it's not just about finding a new editor who's willing to help, but also, you know, people are disobeying rules, refusing to put your, your, your credit in their bios, sending you weird fonts that, you know, takes five years to reinterpret or something, if you even have the time to do so. You know, getting mad about artwork that you pick for their stuff. This isn't good enough for me. I mean, it's sometimes the complaints and, and the nonsense can be can be endless. It's not like every person is doing that. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with the arts and you're dealing with your own time and time you're taking away from your family, time you're taking away from your writing, even a couple of instances of these things can be very maddening and, and very disappointing and sometimes even hurtful. I'm a human as well. I don't want to hear all that nonsense. You hate the artwork? Be happy you published. Go on ahead. Maybe somebody else will do some artwork for you that is more acceptable. Maybe another journal will accept some of your artwork for your writing. I don't, but maybe others will. So it's not like I'm the only person in town here. Alright, but when I'm doing something, like publishing someone's work, it's because I believe in it. And when I'm aligning an artwork to it, this is royalty-free art. I'm doing the best I can to find something that might be relevant. That's all I can do. It's not a willy-nilly thing. I just don't grab anything and throw it over there. So there's thought behind it. I'm, I'm trying to do something that's relevant and bring some more attention to your writing. So all the things I'm, not, I'm trying to do is things to help you. Okay? So when you get, when you get silly and uh, nonsensical, uh, that's not very helpful. Okay. Alright. Um, not playing the devil's advocate, but I feel that these are too many rules already. If it's not about the writing, can we stick to that? Uh, no, we can't. But thank you. And you're not being a devil's advocate. I don't really think that what you're saying is controversial or even negative. I'm just going to correct you. We need some rules. I can't have people sending me 17,000 different fonts at 14 different sizes. Okay? I can't have them sending me formats that are extremely difficult to uh, to, to reconvert over. You know, I, I can't have people sending me Sending me stuff that, that breaks all the rules. Something that's that's beyond the, the word limit we're willing to accept. Something that has you know, excessive profanity without any sense of where it's going. Something that has graphic sex that I, I don't I don't really appreciate in the journal. There are other places for that. So yeah, I gotta have some rules. I gotta have some rules because first, this is a volunteer effort, so I can't have everybody who's helping me do extra work because somebody wants to be you know, have an enormous artistic license. Maybe somebody else will be willing to do that. I'm not. Second reason, of course, is 
rules gives a, a, a certain consistency to the journal. It kind of gives it a certain implant, a certain signature to it. So I, I like that because I like it to be looking in a certain way and sounding in a, in, in a certain way. And you can't do that if everybody's just going to send everything they want, you know? Aliens with big penises and butterflies with missiles and, you know, you get wild after a while. It's not really helpful. So those are the reasons why the rules are there. The rules are there that also help the writer as much as they are to help me. Don't send me a Batman poem. I don't care how popular he is. Don't want to hear about that, okay? So it's just really that simple. So it also helps the writer to understand... You know what they can do, what they can, what they can't do, and so they don't waste their time. There might be some people who look at these rules and say, "Hey, um, this place isn't for me," and that's fine because that saves everybody in the process time. Then, so I, I have very specific rules. They're not they're not unreasonable. They're not ridiculous, but they're extremely helpful. So I'm happy to have them. All right, next one. A, a really wonderful writer, Eva Wong. Her interview, and I would been wanting to get her on the show for uh, literally a couple of years. I'm sorry I had to wait to literally for her to move from Singapore to England, so I have a better time zone. <laughs> but that's how it worked out. All right, I loved her positive perspective and gorgeous accent. How cool. All right, excited to hear the full diversity of writing folks around the world. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, she really was positive, and, and I, I liked... Uh, Everything she had to say. And it, it is kind of cool to hear a, an Asian woman with a British accent. I mean, it's just lovely and exotic. So it, it makes for a wonderful show just for that. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. All right. Incredible interview of process, cultural research, and understanding, and the endurance of writing. You know, and I, and I fully agree with that because... That's one of the wonderful things about her interview was, and and I don't say this uh, you know against anybody else I've interviewed. It's just that her perspective had a, had a real cultural bent to it, where where she was talking about finding out people who were literally slaves or indentured servants, uh, Asian put into various families in, in Britain and in, in part of Britain's colonies uh, back in the. Uh, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. It's just incredible to hear that sort of thing. And, you know, how they made their way through all of that. And what that does to the human spirit. You know, good and, and, and bad in, in terms of uh, trying to reflect upon that uh, as a writer, as somebody who, who's Asian, as somebody doing the research, which she did. So it really, it really brought another dimension, uh, you know, to the interview itself and, and just to the, to the show itself that we can have that kind of perspective not everybody's going to have that she was the only one i've ever come across uh to interview that had that so it, it just makes it such a, a unique uh, property to have on the show and we're really uh blessed to have her uh, more so than than i can even have imagined because sometimes you, you do your best with this sort of thing but sometimes when people give you an idea Remember, it's on paper, so to speak, email, about some of the things they might want to try to talk about on the show. You know, you don't really think it in the more visceral, emotional kind of way. You, you think it a bit more of the academic, maybe historical kind of way. Oh, yeah, I got that. And, and that, that's how it was. I, and then I heard all this, and it just, it, it just, it, it just knocked me for a loop. So it's just a, a, amazing that we can have, 
you know, those kind of perspective on the show and that people are willing to, uh, you know, to share them and, and, and to write about that because we don't always get that. And uh, I really, I really, really prefer to have that kind of perspective on it as much as I, I possibly can. It's, it's not like you can go search for it, you know, send me somebody that has some super interesting cultural perspective. You, you really can't. And, and somebody that does, you know, want to uh, answer that call, you, you don't know if you're going to get something that's forced or, or something that, that's not entirely accurate or maybe there's something that, you know, has more political tinge than it has, uh, you know, educational value. And I, I try to avoid that as, you know, as much as I can about that. So I was very excited to have that. I wish I had some more uh, emails about um, the shows, but uh, those are all the ones I, I, I got. But I'm, I'm still very happy, don't get me wrong. Um, it's always great that um, you know that people are listening and that you know that people are going to share their thoughts. You know, and even when it's a little negative, as long as it's not, you know, totally bigoted or crass or something, I, I try to still talk about it. I try not to be too afraid of what most of the commentary people has to say. I, I can't obviously talk about what everything people have to say because sometimes it, it is a little hateful and ridiculous. There's no point in repeating that kind of nonsense, you know. But I'm, I'm definitely excited as we continue to go forward with the shows to uh, to talk about more and more of what it is to be a writer in the 21st century. And also, it's nice to tap back into the past to go over uh, certain writers that can really have helped illuminate us from the past. Maybe sometimes they were people that really in inspired us uh, to write or part of the reasons why. Um, and I'm looking to do some uh, interviews on, on some things that are still artistic but not necessarily about writing. So... I'm gonna. I, I like to announce a few of those, but I have to really kind of get it into, um, you know, that it's a guarantee it's going to happen, you know. But we are going to have a, a few interviews. That I know are going to happen. We got uh, Jana Begovic. Uh, she'll be coming up uh, later in the uh, in the fall this year as one of her new books uh, comes out. It's got accepted, so that'll be exciting to hear. I think she also wants to talk about one of her picture books that got accepted. So it's going to be a dual show for that. You know, we got a, a Michael Amato over there in, in Belgium. His book will be coming out about three, four weeks. I'll be doing a, a one-of-two interview with him and, and, and the interesting story behind what he was doing and, and, and what he kind of inspired to do. So, I mean, some of it's about travel. Some of it's just about, you know, observation. But we all come to writing in a different fashion. Not all of us have the same start. Some of us do it and then tuck it away for a while and don't really get back to it for a while. Part of it being insecure or part of it being uh, don't know if they have a venue. Part of it just so many things going on in their life or just might be not something they're willing to promote yet or pursue yet. You know, and as long as you don't write things that are too, too topical, I mean, a good writing and good perspective, good observations, they're going to last, you know, sometimes centuries. I mean, things that... Uh, uh, what is it? Um, ben Franklin. Yeah, things that Ben Franklin said in the 1700s are still relevant. You know, I was, I always, uh, always laughed to myself when he, when I read one of his quotes that said, if, if you haven't read the newspaper, uh, yesterday, reading it today is news. And he's right. It's, <laughs> it might be a day later, but if you didn't read it, you didn't know about it, then that's news then. So it's just interesting perspectives like that we want to hear more from, from writers about. And of course, some of the older, 
writers that I'm going to be uh, looking into it as well. I, I still want to do a show on, um, uh, um, excuse me, um, uh, the, the, the guy from Dr. Zhivago. We'll definitely want to uh, do that. Um, uh, that writer. And, um, I want to do a, a few more, uh, uh, writers that are in a, in a different, in a different, uh, task of writing that not necessarily were just literary. I never meant the, the show to be just literary, but it's some of the things I feel the most comfortable with and, and the most inspired by and, and what I generally write most of the times is things of a literary nature. But it doesn't mean that, you know, all these writers don't have the, you know, any value because of that. So um, I'm definitely uh, excited to do uh, a show here in, in the weeks ahead on uh, Isaac Asmanoff, the... Uh, Russian-American writer, science fiction writer, pretty much. And a very interesting uh, fellow. Definitely like to do uh, a couple of playwrights. Um, Arthur Miller being one of them. I always found him interesting. And also, um, my other one, um, I don't know why sometimes these names escape me because it's not like I don't, I don't know who they are. Um, but he's definitely one of them. And I'm going to be doing a, a few others as well. Um, and I want to do a couple of writers uh, from from South America too. I like to do a a, a wonderful show on uh, Isabella Lunde, uh, a, a great female uh, Chilean writer. Uh, really interesting uh, work, and, and 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 the things that she brings about, um, sort of in the school of the magical uh, realism that you see in in, in some of these uh, uh, Latin writers. So that, that'll be uh, exciting to see. Um, I definitely do uh, want to do another show on um, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, we've done two already, and I think there's enough uh, uh, information, enough things to talk about that we're going to uh, do a third show. So I'm pretty interested uh, about doing that. And then I want to I do a show here that's going to be coming up here soon maybe towards the end of the month, where I want to take just a couple of really famous poems that were out there and just break them down in terms of the style, the content, what kind of message he was sending. Is it something that's ambiguous? Is it something that's direct, straightforward, etc.? I, I like to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested in doing that. Somebody asked me, uh, Mark, why haven't you done any of the shows on the on the beat poets? And um, as always, I'm always going to be straight with you. I don't I don't like to give people political answers. I'm very familiar with the beat poets. I, I grew up with them, but they never connected with me. So yeah, I'd like to do a, a, a show on Allen Ginsberg. I wouldn't mind doing a show on uh, on Jack Kerouac, but I have to really like look into it carefully and, and see what I can get that I can bring some excitement to it when I talk about it. I don't want to do it just out of obligation. That's why when I when I did the Charles Bukowski show, well, he's not one of my favorite writers. He's not even in my top ten. Doesn't mean he's not worth anything. He's great. But this is not my kind of thing. But I was able to find enough and research and, and, and re reviewing his stuff and everything to put a really effective show out there that did very well and people were happy with it. So I definitely do want to do one of the beat uh, writers at least. And I... I I think the person who told me that is correct, that they they should be covered. And I try to cover as much as I can. I've covered a lot of the romantic and enlightenment type of poets and some of the more modern ones, uh, you know, like um, 
Yeah, I'm going to be doing E.E. Cummins, so we're going to be doing that one, one of the more modern ones as well. So, and of course, John Ashbery, one of my uh, one of my favorites. We got him in there already, so we're going to be doing a few of those as well to try to cover a lot of the different uh, errors uh, of poetry that's out there. And I'm I'm not pretty excited to do so, actually. All right, folks, I want to thank you so much for the support of the show. Please keep in mind that as we go forward, we'll, we'll continue to try to listen to what you have to say. If you have, you know, thoughts about something we should cover or somebody you think we might have missed that's, that's really worthy of attention, I'm, I try to keep an open mind. You know, um, I've had a few people ask me about Stephen King and, you know, not one of my favorite writers on any aspect, but there's a few books of his and a few stories of his that I really liked of all the stuff that he's done. So I think I'm eventually going to do one of the shows about him, try to just covering that and some of the general things about him. It'll, it'll make at least for an interesting show, but he's done a, a lot of work. I can't cover it all. I'm not really interested in it at all. You know, and, and, and in many ways, you know, I just don't, I just don't connect with him and, and the kind of stories and the kind of writing that he does in general. Only a small portion of it. But it's enough to make a show, and I don't, I don't have a problem doing that. Enough people have asked, so, you know, as much as you support me, i got to try to do the same the best I can, and, and, I'll, and I'll do that, okay? I'm not going to just ignore people, you know, but I always tell people that whenever I do the show, i got to have something interesting and worthy to say, and, and, and quite frankly, it has to have something that I can feel authentic about. I don't want to do something just because somebody is, is complaining about it or, or getting mad about, you know, you've done this and why don't you do that? You know, and etc. Because that's not really authentic. You know, that's that's just trying to be a, you know, a popularizer and appeaser of everybody. You know, I still have my own views and my own voice and my own thoughts, and my own feelings, and my own inspirations. And part of the show that makes it authentic is me sharing all of that. It doesn't mean I'm not listening to what you have to say. Some of the shows I've listened directly with people have to say, even down to doing a topic or so. Um, I'm definitely going to do another show or two on um, on depression and post-stress uh, disorder. It's always important to hear more about that as we find more things out about that in the creative sense and, and etc. We want to always want to talk about that. I always want to be a show that doesn't shy away from something that important. All right, folks. Until next time, God bless. That was uh, Global Mailbag 2, episode 232. And this is Mark Anthony Rossi. Strength to be human. God bless, folks. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.